Welcome to the Global Visions Podcast. My name is Luca Willett, and I'll be today's host. The podcast is produced in conjunction with the Brown Journal of World Affairs and seeks to explore international affairs and policy issues via a series of interviews with distinguished academics, policymakers, and activists. We are super excited to be hosting our next guest on the podcast today, Marianne Gonzalez. Marianne is an engineer at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab and is currently working on the Europa Clipper, which will be looking for signs of life on Jupiter's moons. Some of her previous projects include work on the Mars Oxygen Institute Resource Utilization Experiment and the Spacecraft Atmospheric Monitor. Marianne, thank you so much for joining us today. It's, it's a pleasure to talk, be talking to you today. I just wanted to start off the interview by sort of painting a picture of your background. As a second generation Filipino-American, how do you think your cultural heritage and background sort of shaped your educational journey? And also more specifically, how did how did you become interested in chemical engineering? The, the path from sort of building Legos to mechanical engineering or structural design is pretty clear in my mind, but chemical engineering seems like a, a much less clear path. I guess I'm trying to ask sort of yeah. what was the catalyst here that got you into this? So like my path to engineering definitely wasn't linear. I didn't actually know what I wanted to do in college and I struggled with deciding what I wanted to do. And I actually started as a chemistry major because I grew up surrounded by friends whose parents were also immigrants from the Philippines like me. And most of our parents wanted us to be nurses or uh, be doctors, something in the medical field, right? And that was kind of the path that was drawn for me. Um, so as I entered college, I didn't really know engineering was an option, to be honest. And I didn't really know what it was. So I, I entered as a chemistry major because I knew chemistry was something that I liked and I was good at. And it was something that would probably, you know, keep my family happy and would allow me to enter a career that they would be satisfied with. And but as I started college, I met new people I started networking more and I started to realize there's a lot more many options than you know getting into medicine and I just wasn't made aware of it and engineering really interested me because I always was a type of person growing up to ask questions and how and why things worked and I also knew that I liked chemistry so chemical engineering made sense to try at the time so I just decided to change my major in the middle of the semester and I ended up enjoying, enjoying it and sticking with it. So I would say from coming from an immigrant family has its like advantages and disadvantages. On the one hand, um, a lot of these kids are from these types of families can grow up to be super driven and to be motivated to be successful because there's a lot of pressure from the earlier generation because they moved all the way to the United States and they want you know to feel like it was worth it. And we just want to make our parents proud. And on the other hand, it's a lot of pressure and sometimes it makes your career path and your academic path seem a bit more narrow than it needs to be. So I think I was fortunate enough to break out of that bubble and meet other people at the beginning of college who were all pursuing different careers. And I think that college point is really a turning point for a lot of students from immigrant families like, like mine and to work through figuring out what they really want to do and to just get independence and break away from like the family pressure. So I, I would say that's kind of how uh, my journey to becoming an engineer uh, came to be. So it was definitely not straightforward because a lot of my coworkers, right, are NASA engineers and a lot of them know that they want to be a NASA engineer when they're like kids. And that just wasn't the case for me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You you talked a lot about sort of your college experience there, uh, touching on how that was really very informative part of your life, which which is wonderful. And so I really want to talk more about 
sort of your time at college, the University of Southern California, you were doing some really amazing work with NASA while while we were at USC. And I was wondering if um, you could talk a little bit about the projects you've now worked on over the years um, with NASA, the the many, many of them that you've done. Um, and then sure. maybe we can dive into uh, one or two of them later. So yeah, I, I actually did my grad, my master's at USC, but my undergrad was actually at Long Beach State. And Long Beach State is while is where I got my first NASA internship. So my NASA journey didn't really start at JPL. It started at Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And my first mission that I got to work on there was a concept for a lunar rover. And the lunar rover is intended to obtain resources from the lunar regolith and produce it for a future lunar base for astronauts to stay there. And basically just using the resources available that can come from the regolith. So whether that be water or using the regolith for things like 3D printing. Um, but mainly at the time, I was mainly extracting water. And after my time there at Kennedy Space Center, it was only a summer I was there. I networked with some folks at JPL uh, through my boss at the time. And it was fortunate because I was actually from California. So I wanted to continue, you know, working with NASA at, in some in some way and maintain that and go for that as my career because I really enjoyed my internship at KSC. And I met a engineer who was working on and slash scientist who was working on the Mars Perseverance rover. And that's currently on Mars now. And that was a big turning point in my life because it was such an important project to me. And it was a huge learning experience for me because I was a young, naive engineer who didn't really know anything yet. And it was highly stressful, but highly rewarding. And the part of the rover that I worked on was a instrument called MOXIE. So it stands for Mars Oxygen ISRU Experiment, In-Situ Resource Utilization Experiment. And basically what it does is it produces oxygen from the mostly carbon dioxide atmosphere on Mars. And you do this by electrochemistry, you energize it, and you can produce oxygen for rocket fuel, for life support, and for pioneering on Mars when we have astronauts there. And I, that was super impactful to me. I learned so much on that project and being able to see it produce oxygen on Mars and being able to like touch hardware that was on Mars is highly rewarding. And it was definitely gone to me to where I am now and helped shape my career, being able to work on that project. Also, I worked on a bunch of other like side research projects. So NASA has a lot of funding for within its own you know, or that funds future missions, right? Future mission concepts. So a lot of the technology we're trying to push at, in the research level right now is basically for missions that may happen like decades from now. So uh, that's part of what we do, but we also work on things that are going to fly like in the next few years. Uh, so there's a balance between working on technology that will be for the far future and then trying to build something for a mission that's going on currently. And as of late, that's Europa Clipper. Europa Clipper is my main project that I've been on for about a year now, and that is very exciting. And uh, another project that I worked on, actually, before I forgot to mention, was an instrument called Spacecraft Atmosphere Monitor, and that was on the International Space Station. And basically what that did was look at the cabin air for the astronauts and make sure everything looks nominal and regulate and monitor the air in the cabin. So that's kind of a short summary of... Uh, all the projects I've been involved in. It's a lot. 
So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, th there's a lot going on there, and, and a lot of it you were talking about, sort of Mars, and and I I know maybe a nickname of yours is Mars, mm -hmm. which which yeah. which, is, which is pretty cool, and 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 it makes sense given the work you're doing with Mars, but. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear more about the Europa Clipper, which is the project you're working on now. And I was I was hoping you could tell us more about that. And then I would also love to hear about why you find meaning in your work and how you find meaning. Because um, I know there are a lot of legislators who sort of ask questions, why is the United States government focusing on outer space when there's so much human suffering and so many things to be solved, you know, down here at home? Sort of what, what about your work brings you meaning and how would you respond to the legislators who sort of question the validity of your work? Yeah, I can answer that question first, and then I can kind of dive into Europa Clipper. I think that people forget that NASA dedicates a big part of its resources to like understanding climate change. And there are so many engineers and scientists who study Earth science and understanding our home planet. And I think it's important to make sure that they have the resources that they need to do their work. Because to me, it's important to understand the Earth and how we as humans affect it it's our home. How can we think of ways to treat our planet better without first understanding the problem? And I think that's the job of the scientists and the engineers who do a lot of this earth studying. And that's something that we need to trust subject matter experts with. And a lot of them are either at NASA or they work closely with NASA and universities, etc. I think in that aspect, it's important to make sure that they have their necessary funding and their resources they need. But as a disclaimer, this is not like the opinion of like NASA. This is just my personal opinion. So I just want to put that out there. <laughs> and another thing that people don't realize is that even for technology that we develop beyond Earth to other planets, that that technology may end up back here on Earth in some other form. And it can benefit society. Um, just an example of that is actually, I was talking about Perseverance a moment ago. And uh, during the pandemic, we had already launched Perseverance, right? I got reached out to asking for a component that they were interested in using that we actually have on Mars now. And they wanted to use that same component for the ventilator that they were developing. So at the time, JPL got some funding to rapidly develop a ventilator because at the time COVID was just starting and there was a concern that there was going to be a shortage of ventilators and a shortage of designs that we can mass produce them quickly. And we actually ended up using the technology that we had on Mars, that one component, which is an oxygen sensor, and we put it on the ventilator. And that's part of the design and it's all FDA approved and everything. So uh, we have a patent for that. So that was very highly rewarding for me because just seeing because we forget that a lot of the technology we push to put in space because we push that limit it allows us to develop technology here on earth that will benefit us and in overall I completely understand when people say you know why explore space when we have problems at home I totally I totally get it it's a complicated issue though and it, it's not black and white but it's my viewpoint that science and engineering in the context of space really pushes our boundaries and allows us to do more than we realize here on earth and benefit society. And then um, I could talk more about Europa Clipper. So Europa Clipper is, like I said, my main project that I work on now. And it is a mission that is going to one of Jupiter's 80 moons. <laughs> and this moon is of particular interest because uh, back in the 90s, we had a mission called Galileo, and it orbited Jupiter, and 
several of its main moons, and it noticed that there were plumes coming out of Europa. So that indicates some kind of hydrothermal activity, some ocean world underneath the ice surface of Europa. So that's very interesting because hydrothermal vents are a hint of oh, could there be microbial life? Because the hydrothermal events we see here on Earth are a result of microbial life. That really sparked the interest of NASA. And now we're here today with this mission that's going to make Europa its main focus. So it's going to orbit around Jupiter and perform an investigation of Europa and see if there's evidence favorable for life. Uh, not necessarily like determine if there is life, but that will be in the future mission. We plan to hopefully have a lander that will land on the surface of Europa eventually, but this is kind of the starting point, right, where we fly by Europa. We do science there and determine if there is a chance that there could be life. And uh, the part that I work on is the magnetometer. The magnetometer is going to study the magnetic field, and it'll tell us more about the ocean that's underneath the ice, the salinity, and the ice shell thickness. And Jupiter has a really strong magnetic field, and there's tidal activity that happens because the magnetic field is so strong on Europa. So it'll be interesting to study that as well. Wow, yeah, that's that sounds like that sounds great and, and very exciting. Sort of that's all in the yeah. you know, headline stuff, like oh, microbial life on another planet. Mm -hmm. you know, very exciting. <laughs> well, I guess in this case, a moon. But you know, speaking about sort of the future discoveries, I, I want to speak more about sort of where you're going in your future. I also I know that um I know that you're so young, Forbes thirty under thirty. Where do you sort of see yourself in 10, 15, sort of 30 years from now? I mean, one could say the sky is the limit, but I guess maybe the universe is <laughs> a more appropriate uh, thing to say here. So so where, where do you see yourself going? Are you do you have a clear goal in mind or are you more focused on the job at hand and sort of the future is sort of just off to the side? I have my only goal right now. I think my main goal is to just be able to continue to work on missions just like Europa Clipper. I really just enjoy and get a lot of satisfaction being able to build something that is very important and to work with a huge team and to just see it operate and work in space. I really enjoy my job and I just want to keep that going. Something else that I've started thinking about lately is being able to go to space. And I have a friend uh, who used to work at JPL and her name is Katya Echezareta. And she actually went to space earlier this year. So she is kind of on a similar journey where she actually worked on Europa Clipper. And she was able to do this through a lot of programs now are, you know, funding individuals who are making impact, whether it be in science, engineering, or just making a social impact, right? Um, she was the first Mexican-born woman in space, and she's my friend, and she really inspired me to, you know, go for it, right? I didn't think it was a possible thing. Just seeing her being able to do that made me think about, wow, maybe I should try something like that as well. And there's a lot of opportunities, right? There's all these commercial companies who are, you can buy a seat on these uh, rockets and orbit space. And it, it does come from a privileged standpoint, right? Because it's expensive. So there are a lot of organizations who are willing to advocate for you, even if you don't probably necessarily have the money or resources to do it yourself, which I think is really amazing. And I have uh, another friend who uh, potentially is going to go on another flight, I think a Virgin Galactic flight sometime in the next few years. So it's really just cool to see my friends being able to do this and 
I don't know, it makes me so happy and it makes me inspired to maybe strive for the same thing. And other than that, my overall goal, I guess, just career wise is to really just, you know, continue to go out of my comfort zone. And to be honest, I didn't know that I wanted to be a system engineer. System engineering was just not like in my plan. So I'm a system engineer for Europe Clipper and it just was never my plan, but I found that I really like it. And so just continuing to be open to new things that I might not be comfortable with at first because uh, it could just end up being something that I love to do. So I just plan to continue that and staying curious and exploring. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, you never really know where the road's going to take you, I guess. I just also wanted to just end here on a note about sort of your role as um, a woman of color, a prominent woman of color in STEM and working at, you know, a world famous organization like NASA. Your website discusses how you hope to encourage others to become engineers and share in your passion of STEM. And I'm wondering how, how do you go about sort of doing that and living that mission of sort of lifting others up? Yeah, there's a few ways that I try to do that. And one of them is through social media. So I have met a lot of amazing other women engineers through social media, and I try to do outreach through social media platforms to prospective students, students who are in engineering. And I found that's a very effective way to communicate because, you know, who doesn't use social media? And I've really been able to connect with students I didn't think I would be able to connect with. So that's been awesome. And also I try to do career panels as much as I can. Uh, so I was part of Society of Women Engineers during my undergrad and they have reached out to me, you know, as an alumni and I try to go back to Cal State Long Beach and do these career panel events and meet the students there. And it's just highly rewarding to be on a panel and it's become it's come full circle because I used to be a student just like them and I used to be on the SWE board. Just staying staying active with that org has been really important to me. And also just in general, just like in the workplace, right? Because at work, I try to be mindful of the space of I take as a woman engineer it's often I'm the only woman in the room in a meeting and you know there's things like that right and a lot of women engineers we try to uplift each other at work and advocate for one another because you have to Uh, it's important to do that when you're in a male-dominated workplace because it's easy to feel like you're somewhat drowning and you get lost right and you know, historically, the retention of women in engineering has been really bad. So a lot of them will leave for whatever reason, whether it be sexism being the worst case. So I I try to be involved in building that community of underrepresented work groups at work. And it's a systemic issue. And it shouldn't fall to the shoulders of a one one person because it's a lot of work. So it's, it's, it's a team effort to make that positive progress. Yeah, that that makes that makes perfect sense. And um, I guess, you know, getting out there and speaking on podcasts like Global Visions uh, helps. Yeah, helps spread your news. So so thank <laughs> you so much. That's uh, that concludes this episode of the Global Vision podcast. Thank you for listening and thank you uh, for the opportunity to speak. Uh, we'll see you next time.